to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? That's right, that's right, that's right. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact. We're all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it, welcome to it. And additionally, welcome to it. Tonight, special episode, bucket list guest. For me, actually, for this show, for Conan Neutron's Proton Commercial, Mr. Damon Che. Don Caballero needs no introduction as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Bellini as well. And that's another great band. Uh, hey, there's not much to say. If you know, you know. Uh, you're probably here. You probably know. Let's just do this spiel that I'm trying to get down uh, first for the newcomers and the oldcomers. Oldcomers, sure. Alike. Welcome to Conan Neutron's Proton Reversal. I'm your host, Conan Neutron. I am a rock and roll lifer who has toured and recorded for over 22 years. Most known for the band Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Music is a huge part of my life, and I use the format of this very long-running podcast to talk about music with musicians whose work I enjoy and respect. Folks that may or may not be household names, but do something very special. This is episode 296. If this is your first time listening to the show, all the archives are at protonicreversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors. No kidding. And if you'd like to support the show and get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash protonicreversal. If you like the show or even just a single episode, Please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, or post a review. All that helps people find the show, and it's just a darn nice thing to do. So yeah, Damon Shea, everybody. I'd like to give props to uh, Dan Volhoff and Ash Pearson and the uh, Don Caballero Fan Club to uh, you know, for helping make this happen. So uh, thanks, guys. I uh, appreciate that. Let's uh, let's dive right in, huh? And with us now is the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Damon Che. Damon, welcome to the show, man. Uh, hello, hello. Uh, thank you for having me, Conan. Yeah, this is an honor. I know you don't you don't do this kind of thing often, so it's not uh, it's not lost on me. And uh, I'm very excited to talk to you, man. It's a uh, an artist of your caliber is. Ex- and these kinds of talks are exactly what this show is for. So thank you for doing it. Appreciate it. Fantastic. You're very welcome. And um, it's it's a splendid honor uh, mutually. So 
I was thinking a little bit about Don Caballero, and one of the first things that I noticed because I saw I heard the records before I ever knew anything about the band or the visuals, like what you guys look like, what it looked like live. But the first thing I noticed was the audacious song titles. Like I was like, oh, these guys are hilarious. Like I, because one the first one I saw was was that an SCTV reference? I think it is. Uh, Yeah. And then it also occurs to me, and I was thinking about this earlier today. When you have songs that have melodies, have rhythms, have structure, but they don't have lyrics, it kind of opens up a lot of possibility towards, well, what does that song, how do you identify that song? What You don't want to say like, oh yeah, fast snare drum number two or whatever. Yeah. So the, how- the, work, the working title might be that, but yeah. Um, you, you, you reach for something um, associative, to, to give to, to give it a healthy name, you know, right. like just like you would name your creation, and um, it may, you know it, it might not have so much to do with what the actual music says, but you know it, we were an instrumental band, and so you you definitely had the the freedom to really get crafty with the titles. I mean, I mean to me, it's no different than like heavy metal bands in the 70s that were singing songs like in their lyrics about oaks and or ogres and all things <laughs> Tolkien but like well honestly what yeah. did the song Sea Mountain Hop have to do with any of that if you just listen to the song Mr. Totally. Mountain Hop but so I mean whatever I mean and so you know we had we had an association and so we chose something we were affectionate about and if it was if it turned to be from SCTV for a song title then that would be the case in that instance and then and and then we kind of just, by the time the second album came around, we, we were well evolved into just trying to um, understand the world on our own terms, I think. Yeah. We, we, we kind of, we, we didn't have any more fringe fan clubdom hanging from our sleeves by then, I don't think. Yeah, you seem to have developed your own lexicon, your own sort of form of language, you know, like almost like a sonic youth or something where you just have like, you reference yourself <laughs> almost to a certain degree. I, I guess you could make that case, sure. I mean, if if you feel that's that's not fair, please please no, correct me. It's fine. Oh, that I mean, that's perfectly fair. I mean, um, I'll let you know if something's not fair. Okay. <laughs> not fair is when you put your first album out and every last single review in a press kit about a half an inch thick says King Crimson, King Crimson, King Crimson, King Crimson, King Crimson, King Crimson. And, and I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the best you schleps can come up with. The the one band that they know of that has like polyrhythms or whatever. Yeah. It's ah. so here's the thing for me. I got into King Crimson after Don Cab. Like I, I, you know, for whatever, like, and I, that's fine. I tried to explain to like younger listeners that it didn't used to be like it is now that you could just like you know two clicks and like listen to everything in the known universe from all time. So the, my first thought of was King Crimson and was like, oh yeah, okay, I guess I could see that. This is this is different though because I think there's a curiosity, not always, but a curiosity to Don Cab that hits completely different. It's just that like there's not a lexicon for Prague. I that's think. probably true, unfortunately. And um, I might add, I don't have any beef with King Crimson. It yeah. just, I, I, I had a beef with journalists around the time we put our first album out. I, I couldn't believe that that's all they could come up with on their noodles is to 
just to rant about King Crimson long enough for the egg timer to run out and them to say, job <laughs> done, I wrote my review for this record. You know? Yeah, yeah, I hit the word count. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, but, I mean, uh, you definitely transcended that for sure. But I, it, I think it is, I've seen that with other bands too, where people hear like some audio signature or some thing that reminds them of like one other thing and they get stuck. They get stuck yeah. on that. And... Yeah, uh, there there ought to be like a name for that, and it's probably in German, if so. <laughs> but I, I've seen it more than more than once, and and I feel like I feel like to, to me it feels like you guys transcended that like fairly quickly. Uh, that first record, so we're talking about For Respect, right? That's the first one, if I remember correctly. That's, that's the one I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, which is the, got that great. I love the. What, what, the cover is great with the hound and the uh, it was like a it's like old school wheelchair. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. What, what's what's the what's the story behind that album cover? Uh, we we were just going for you know um, uh, a, not a facsimile but a um, just a rendition an, a, a rendition of, of Guy Caballero's wheelchair. I mean, oh, like from that. SCT. Oh, of oh. course. Jesus Christ. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. And then I I mean the dogs were the photographer artists idea that who, who we worked with on the, on on that uh, for that record cover um and it just kind of it, it seemed like it fit well enough you know to, to have the you know um he says for that, respect in that episode doesn't he yeah Pan panama jack dude having great danes wouldn't be too out of the realm of believability i guess and so it, it just fell together i guess because that was that was the episode that um the station manager guy Right, he, yeah. he he became yeah. the dog. That's God, see, it's been too long since I've seen that show. But uh, yeah, I used to know that, and I just oh yeah yeah watch watch them all again. They're they're fantastic. Uh, so there is so at that point you got you got Mike Mike Banfield's in the band too. Ian joins like after the record, if I remember correctly. So it's it's you and Pat and Mike on on that lineup, if I remember right. No, he Ian joined right. I'm going to say about a month before we were rolling tape on that record. And yeah. so he had like a few weekends of shows under his belt and he just kind of came in slam dunking at the last minute and, yeah. and just to give it extra Ehad power or umfa or whatever you would say. Sure. Um, so he creatively, he, Ian might not have had that much to do with that record, but he, but he really did uh, garnish it up in, in strength in soul yeah. character robustness etc but we were a three-piece playing most of those songs for quite a while before the album was recorded and so that's kind of the history of it all i just it, it outlined it the best i could there I sure think. sure and and the the core of that i mean it, it's a very there's a there's an excitement to it there's like a a, a very raw energy that i mean I, it's it's not really like anything i can think of at the time like when i when i heard that it kind of Knocked my uh, knocked my socks off to to put it bluntly. Uh, did you have any uh, anything you were kind of going for other than like let's make something cool at the time? Um, we all I think we all had other projects, and so I I, I guess you never really realize which project when you have numerous projects is projects is going to be the one that's like no this is your right. this is your project project <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like the other things are just going to fall away like uh you know um 
frivolous dressing or what have you. Um, and a bit, a bit, I mean, I, I don't think any of us neglected any one or other of our projects. And so we, we put everything into everything that we did, I think. Um, but by the, the nature of being an instrumental band was not the, the intention. We, I think we were, we always just saw ourselves as a thing that came out of the rehearsal studio that, that we were going to see where things were going to go. And I think we were all thinking, yeah, we still, we're not complete though. We're not ready to do anything. We don't have a vocalist. Yeah. Um, and then the opportunities just kind of like kept sweeping us up in, in like, um, like a reverse wake. Um, and, and so we, we couldn't, we couldn't say no to the opportunities that were presenting themselves. Sure. And so we were just, we were, I guess branded an instrumental band just by virtue of that, because we, we had to get busy because we weren't going to tell these people no, that we're saying, Hey, do you right. want to book, play the show? Do you want to make a single with this record label and so on and so on? So, so a couple things. First of all, uh, speaking Canaries was already going at the time. Uh, or is that like a little bit later? I'm sorry if my timeline's. A no, it's fine. In, in, in its fashion, it was, it was already going and it's, you know, and it, it's, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, um, it it, w- it was well past the pre-stage, I guess. Sure, of, sure. Of a project, so yeah, you no. Know, I mean, uh, yes, it was going. It, you like, I, I think. I mean, in 1992, I was in two bands. I, I I can't remember. Ian was in a band called Racco Rocco. Um, Mike might not have been w- with any other project that I can remember, and then. And then Pat Morris was in the Northern Bushman. So we, for the most part, most of us all had different loaves in the oven, if you will, or <laughs> irons in the fire, or yeah. however you say. Yeah, I did. I, I didn't. As long as there's heat involved, that's the important thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, but and the reason here's the reason why I kind of if it's, it sounds like a deviation, but because uh, you're uh, that's your guitar, you shred guitar on Speaking Canaries, and 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 drums for Don Cap. Which did you actually start with? Um, oh, de- de- definitely drums. Yeah, definitely drums. I, I mean, when I was a kid, I, you know, I was banging on a- anything that a pencil could make contact with, you know, you know, probably before I realized, um, that like there's a school band and you could actually play a real trap set in it and so on. I, I mean, so yeah, I, I, I gravitated towards percussion just, um, uh, f- from a way earlier stage than, well, it, it, it was a more in-depth um, study of music that that got me to the point where I was like realizing the guitar was something else I I, I could be very interested in and um, you, you know um, discover as a creative outlet. So, but but it did it it, it did come way after. I mean, uh, percussion was my formal musical background first and you know uh, first in line was there any one thing that kind of made you want to start banging on things um all my life i've heard the worn out motif of you know it's so cool i'm a drummer because i'd be in jail or something if i you know (laughs) know, that same aggression out on you know who knows what in 
I never felt that way. I, I never, I, I was more fascinated with being able to master rhythm in a way that pleased me in a way that I thought was rather intricate and, you know, impressed me that the rabbit hole continued down and kept going and make taking these curves and going these different places. I, it was never, it was never an aggression thing with me. It was a fascination with rhythm mm, mm. Um, for sure. I, I, I would definitely distinguish that. I was not one of those, um, take out your punching bag aggression on your drum kit. I, that was never my, my thing ever. Were you, would you like play along to songs and stuff or were you kind of just in your own make, making your own orchestration? I would, I would play along to Yeah. The music I liked. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, I would play along to like the first two way army record with like oh. a telephone book, two drumsticks that I got from the drummer, of my dad's band and an upside down crack symbol that I would just sit because you can sit an upside down symbol on something without a symbol stand and just, you know, still get it to resonate. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, that was like my first kit were like sofa cushions, a telephone book and an upside down crack symbol and two and a pair of sticks that a, a drummer in my dad's band gave me. I so. love that. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's, I mean, that's the truth from inauspicious beginnings, right? And <laughs> I mean, and it beat the pants off of any bogus like practice pad set that Remo would sell you for right. 79 or whatever. And those would sound horrible. And you know, you could, you could borrow those from your school if you really wanted to hit those so bad. So as long as, you know, mom doesn't need the phone book or something while, while, you're, yeah, right. <laughs> while you're playing. <laughs> uh, sure. so, so getting back over to the timeline for for respect, it kind of seemed to me at the time that there was a bunch of bands sort of independent of each other in these different regions and operating in different types of music that all sort of were ha coming out as instrumental at the same time. And they, there wasn't really like anything tying those bands together other than, you know, maybe some mutual respect or something. But it seemed like culturally, like, I don't know, something was allowed in, in the zeitgeist to like let that particular thing forward or something. And I, I want to know what your take on that is. Cause being someone that was in it rather than, <clears throat> than an outsider, did you feel that at all? Was that something that you noticed at the time? When, when you say other artists, do you mean like Calexico and Tortoise? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like exactly. Uh, that don't sound, didn't sound anything like Don Cab, but just like, we're also operating sans vocals. Or mostly, I, I, don't, I don't think it was like a new portal had opened up culturally for, you know, any particular thread or genre or camp. Because, I mean, if anything, I would get frustrated after I'd been doing Don Cab for half a decade or more. at the notion that, like, we were kind of floundering in, you know, indie rock nightclub land and it didn't look like we were ever going to get any bigger and I would look at musical history, music history and say, well, geez, the Ventures actually had singles that charted. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, day. yeah. And so and they were instrumental. So I, I don't think it was. Um, to answer your question, I, I don't think it, it was I don't think it was like a new. Um, like um, what, what word did you use? Zeitgeist or. Um, yeah, more than likely. I, I overused that word. But. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think it was a, like any kind of brand new 
you know, music had the permission to be instrumental now starting here, right here, like in the early nineties, I don't think that was it because no, I, I guess and I was, maybe I was a little too. If vague. anything, it just puts a big it, it, a band like us put a big spotlight on the worn out notions that that music just had to be simple and have lyrics that people liked and could understand and had a beat they could dance to. Right. I mean, that, that's the. I mean, instrumental music all by itself. I mean, challenges that notion. Just you know by the you know the songs 15 uh, seconds to 30 seconds into it and you realize there's no there's no vocals i mean your your fraternity bro or your sorority sis is probably gonna you know like tune it out or, or move yeah. along or, or hit next or whatever but yeah and, and i guess where i was going to that is it almost it's not like there was some you know, like a flare across the sky or something, but just that, uh, like almost, do you remember how there was like two asteroid movies in like one year and like two earthquake movies? Yeah. And nobody talked to each other about it. Nobody consulted with each other about it. It's kind of happened to like work out that way. I I guess I, it's just again, from an outsider, or maybe this is a perspective. I wasn't even playing music yet, but I was like, Oh, there are all these interesting instrumental bands now. How cool. And it seems like that maybe just was a complete uh, yeah, just like po- cosmically simultaneous versus there's a spy in each studio looking <laughs> at the studio like to to make sure the Joneses are keeping up properly with each other. I yeah, who's to say? I don't know. Cigar chomping uh, record company executive with the the dark sunglasses in the middle of the day. Yeah, <laughs> maybe somebody was spying on us and goes, "We're gonna have to do something about this." And you know, came up with their version of it um, on some other indie label. Uh, but, but I mean, we weren't we weren't looking to anyone else and go and, and sure thinking, man, we're going to have to start breaking those kind of eggs for the omelets we make now. <laughs> this isn't going to work out, or you know, I, you know, we weren't we weren't thinking like that. I don't want to get too stuck on for respect because you got a whole varied and cool discography I want to at least touch on. But I, I just I wa- forgot about it. I was think I was thinking of way down the line when answering your questions. <laughs> sure, sure. No, and I appreciate that about you. Uh, I I do want to. I mean, there's such a like that opening the title track, the opening track of for respect. Like it's just such a skull crusher groove. Like it's just like utterly like relentless. And I, and I love the idea of that being the first song on the first record. Uh, sequencing is something I think about a lot. Was there any ever any thought on sequencing um, that, or any second thoughts maybe? My, my, my it's thing. interesting you would mention that. Um, originally we wanted Got a Mile, Got a Mile, Got an Inch to be the opening track Ooh. and For Respect to be the first song on side two. And people at Touch and Go thought better of that and suggested to us, what would you think about for respect being the opening track? Everyone really seems to like that the yeah, best yeah. and thinks it's more impactful and just make, and just flip it with the you know side two being the other track. And I think they were absolutely right. And I'm glad we, I'm glad we didn't pull some like artist tiff and, you know, and say, <laughs> no, absolutely not. You know, I, and, and so, cause I think they were perfectly uh, correct. And, you know, uh, with, that being the better choice stamp feet and no we're artists damn it yeah yeah so yeah no i mean to answer that question that's absolutely how that went down that's in that, that's 
that's interesting because it would it would give the entire record a different feel almost. Uh, well, you know, there was another time when there were tracks on our fifth album, American Dawn. Was it the fifth? Or? Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah. There were some tracks so. that were in jeopardy of getting axed, and I was adamant about not that not taking place. And it turns out that when it came time for people to vote at the record label, what's the best track to throw on the sampler? It, w- it would have been songs that would have been axed if I hadn't if I hadn't have been adamant about that that track not being axed, and that's the one that everyone liked enough to be the song on the sampler. So, wow. Well, that's I'm, just another example of how that cookie can crumble. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's um, it, it's funny how that goes because sometimes. You know what? What hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But like, in when something is new and hasn't had time to percolate for people, sometimes like it can get, yeah. You know, like oh, what that that's fine. You go the, back. The, the ultimate takeaway is artists aren't right about everything, and record labels aren't right about everything. They're they're both partially correct, and you have to you know navigate the terrain, and hopefully you'll end up with the better the best results. Sure. When everybody puts their heads together. You know. Uh, so last thing. Last thing with four respect. So, is there anything else that uh, about recording that or anything along those lines? Anything leap out at you? Because and the only reason I, I am kind of hyper focused on that is I feel like Don Cab is a band that is kind of shrouded in mystery to a certain degree. Good. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But if there's anything you'd like to share with the fans, I think that that's uh, that, that that would be nice with uh, that record. Uh, for respect, yeah, I could I could share some things. I mean, w- when I just said good, I, I mean I was. I was meaning how how awesome it was in the early 80s that like if you were a fan of a band like Joy Division you were like so completely isolated cut off had no idea where they even came from was closer going to be their last record you hadn't hadn't even heard that the singer had you know committed suicide yet and and the, it was just so mysterious and now if you google search best albums 1980 they're throwing Joy Division closer up there like it's always been as big as the Grateful Dead or right. something. I'm like, I mean, it's like, that would be nice. It gives me hope. It gives me yeah. hope maybe you know, somebody can Google search, you know, a 90s record someday and Don Cap 2 is going to be getting smacked up there above, you know, Four Non Blondes or whoever else it was, you know, in those years. But um, at the time, when, when it came time to record Don Cab 2, um, Corey at Touch and Go was really he was a, he was kind of stunned that we didn't want to make another record with Albini, and and he said, "Oh, really? I I just I think that you know your work that you did together on For Respect was some of the best stuff he's done in years, and I I thought it came together so nice. I'm just really surprised you you really you don't want to make your second record with him, and it's." It's not that he didn't do a wonderful, fantastic job on For Respect. It's just, even as young, naive musician recording artists, we were we were aware of. I think we didn't want to end up like our other label mates that mm. seemed like just do record after record after record after record with the same recording engineers, and we wanted to really just bounce the ball off a different wall. And it, as it turns out, we ended up making numerous records with most all of the engineers we started out with like like Steve Albini and, and Al Sutton um so we were we in one form or another we returned to all of them but at that point in time it might it, it might have bummed Steve out it it might have bummed touch and go 
records out a little bit that we didn't make our second record with, with Steve as well. Um, and that's just a, a little interesting history uh, behind that. I was actually going to ask about that. So you kind of, okay, you, you, you got ahead of me with that one and I, and I like it. And, and, and it's, that is something that, that especially I think in the nineties, there, there was a lot of great bands that like, if they found a partnership that they liked and they just kind of, they stuck with it. It doesn't mean that they just made the same record over and over again, but they, they kind of oh. wor- just worked with the same people either throughout the entire duration of the band or maybe not for the major label record or whatever. And, you know, it, it, it is, I think there's just, there's something to be said for changing the situation to help growth as, as well. Yeah, it, it, it happened that way. And there's yeah. something to be, I mean, look, Steve Albini is also one of the greatest engineers in the world, too. So it's like, surely, surely. You know, no, no foul. But exactly. yeah. There's yeah. worse things than to work with geniuses, right? So anyway, but uh-huh. um, uh, so, okay, so then, so then, yeah, going to Don Cab 2, which, by the way, speaking personally, tightly at Don Cab 2, chef's kiss, because I'm a big fan of like the Zeppelin 2 you know, Zeppelin three, <laughs> Zeppelin four. That, that concept. That yeah. yeah, the 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 classic rock uh you know <laughs> doing just yeah. the number or even like Roman numeral or whatever. Uh oh, and yeah. and when I saw when I saw that come out I was absolutely delighted. Not just there was a new Don Cab record, but it was called Don Cab Literal too, because I thought that was deeply hilarious and fitting with the the band's motifs. Uh longer record. A lot of a lot of material on that one. That that's yeah, uh, yeah, and longer record. Uh, <laughs> but I think there's only like eight songs or something, right? It's a couple yeah. of them are just like epics. Yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't a conscious choice to to make it um, longer than your standard forty minutes or so full length. Um, uh, it, 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 we just I guess we were so preoccupied with the focus on the musical content that we lost track of like the fact that it was these eight pieces were turning into a double album or longer which i mean it's funny as as time as the timeline evolved more towards the window of compact discs and vinyl going away for that interim there it seemed like artists were definitely doing more than 10 track full lengths at that i mean like cd started to lean more into 15 16 18 song direction by then and so we, we were we were kind of like right on time for that really if you looked at it that way but then the way itunes like breaks up divvies up things when they want to sell downloads got got there was a complication with with our third record because of um not enough tracks to be considered an album oh my god <laughs> but yeah, some something some kind of snafu with that that where we had to tap dance real fast to get them to to play ball with selling that record on iTunes or something happened. Which was a major concern for a while, and, and, and the rules changed. And you actually brought up something I think is really interesting and indicative of the time, which is people taking advantage of the CD format. That It's like, yeah. you can fit how much music on here? you know, And then suddenly everyone's doing hidden tracks and, uh, you know, explaining well, things out. Well, I, I mean, a, a lot of the um, English artists in the early 80s, I noticed there was this argument that like their careers would have been totally different had the CD format been around in the early eighties. I don't think I agree with that. I think, you know, they had great B sides and they had 
more material than would fit on one full length album at the time. Yeah. And so all their 12 inches would have like an extra two songs. And, yes. and, and, but I don't think that would have made their career any different because I, I think the people that loved their, the, the fans of, you know, uh, the music artists that love the, the music, the musicians, I think they went out and bought the album and all the singles and just to have all the B-sides and everything. I know I did. I yeah. Mean, if I, if I liked something, I, I had every single, every seven inch and 12 inch and everything else. You know. And some of those for me ended up being some of my favorite stuff by those, by those bands too. Like where it's just like, eh, but if you heard like the, you know, the 10 inch B-side, like, you know, extendo well, yeah, or whatever. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes there are goofs made there where like somebody really did, put something on a B-side that probably should have or would have done better on the full length. Yeah. So, I mean, that happened. It happens. But that's an exciting thing for when you're a music fan to kind of... To, to trip out to, To yeah. trip out to, and then feel like you discovered, right? Like, you get to feel like Indiana Jones to a certain degree. Like, oh, well, you know, you may, it, you may know Love Will Tear Us Apart, but if you heard, like, the... you know, okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Fine, okay, cool, cool, cool. We get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah, give <laughs> yourself some credit, you know, for your artists, your the artists uh, that you're a fan of's accomplishment. Yeah, that's great. Ah, uh, yeah, which which I mean, it, it's a it's a different sort of it's a different sort of ethos, but I think it's something that it's always notable when a band kind of is aware of that. Like, like, I mean, like, whatever. It's, it's going yeah. to be a weird analogy. Yola Tango is a good example of that. They're fucking record oh. nerds, right? Uh, and, like, they they, they, be, they behave and release their, their records as such. And and any, any – I mean, like, look at those early shellac seven inches, right? People get to geek out yeah. on those. And it's like, oh, well, I have the one that's, you know, turd brown. And it's the – okay, great. Okay, cool. Right on. Good for you. That's awesome. You know, that's – it's for the people that it's for. And that's – that's wonderful. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. And you don't, if that's not your thing, that's fine. You don't have to go hunting around for it, but it's there for you. If you want to go hunt crates or discogs, or I don't know what people even do, but there's a story behind those first two shellac seven inches is I, I think at the time I touch and go records were like, well, yeah, that's going to be very labor intensive. And they were like, yeah, so what? And they and the label was like, well, we don't, you know, we're we're not gonna. I mean, our employees have better things to do with our time. You know, we, we're not gonna have them sit around and do. And so, oh, Corey, <laughs> yeah, Steve, 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 and Bob, I guess, just would sit out a box of jackets and a and a box of platters, and you know, for um, musicians that were recording at, at Steve's old Francisco Street home studio, I would say, by the way, in between your lunch break or whatever, if you're idle, just please put some of these together and take license to paint them however you want. And, and that's how, you know, there were so, you know, the, the, a lot of like that, that old unrest album, uh, Tink of SC on, on their own label, oh, yeah. Twitter, where, where each jacket was completely different. And you could tell like, it, it was like a ongoing project with getting friends and, yeah. and buddies to help out, you know, uh, finish the artwork for the jackets. Each one gets to be a little art print. Yeah, in and of itself, which is I don't know. I, I love this stuff. I think that's so great. Yeah, it's totally, totally rad. Exhausting and great. Uh, <laughs> so, so okay. So, 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 I'm sorry. Back to Don Cap to you though. Like, so you got some longer compositions in there. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, you're really there. There's some stuff that's very. I I, I think the term gets thrown a lot. Hypnotic, almost. Okay. 
uh, in a yeah. good way. Like, it, it, that, that were, yeah, there was um, there was some hypnosis going on. Sure, <laughs> non-criminal hypnosis for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The, the, so the song titles on there, you know, you have Tokyo on there, Cold Knees. There was some like I remember there being some some kind of like weird confusion with like the titles. Like, there's a song named something different on the. Um, uh, on the website, it's up like it, it kind of. There was a lot of um, around that record. It seemed like to me at the time because that was like '95, if I remember right, because I worked at a yeah. record store when yeah. that came out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, there was you had it divided into into sections and and uh, almost like movements within the booklet, if I remember correctly. Uh, and it's been a long. I haven't looked at it. This is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many? How many years have been? I've I got it back behind me, behind this uh, studio wall, uh, in my CD box. But were you starting to think about things in terms of that? And I think about that too because you also have like um, you reference it a little bit, like in like American Dawn and whatnot, like breaking things up into movements, like uh, stuff like that. Because how you got to figure out where the song ends, where, where it begins, if it goes a certain place, if it goes a certain length, uh, how are you breaking it up that way? And again, Ian's full on composing all this stuff with you now. Uh, Mike's still in Matt's on bass. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you're, com- when you're composing things, are you starting to think of things like a composer, like, you know, a, 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 a glass or Pendereki or, or, or whatever, or is it still just more coming from a band perspective? I, it's possible we were, but I think it was probably so in our own language or in our own frame of reference. I don't, it's, it, we might not have been precisely aware of, of that growth. If that, you know, growth was in fact taking place. I, I, I think it was still, I, I mean, by hook or by crook, it, it, I mean, from where I, I mean, at least my vantage point, it, it was, I was treating it still like, you know, it, it was like a, a rock song, you know, right. ultimately. And then, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of places that can go. And there, there, I mean, there have been many um, pieces of rock music that gets like, uh, you know, the, the breakdown and the other, the one, two, three, Roman numeral, numeral four to, to itemize each, you know, like what you're, the movements you're talking about. But I mean, if, if we did have movements that were that, it was that obvious, it, in our, I think in our own minds, we were, we were just literally taking everything. I mean, most of those Don Cab 2 songs are all pretty linear anyhow. They're all pretty yeah. A, B, E, D, E, F, G, H, I, want to quit now? Yeah, sure, that's the song, you know. Um, I mean, it, it, it wasn't very verse-course, very verse-course anymore. Like, you know, that the first album, you know, I, I remember, I think it was, um, it was Preston from Mule. Um, or P.W. Long later later down the the road. Um, he was like, I don't understand why people. You know, I don't understand why you're an instrumental band because I can hear vocals when I listen to your record. And I'm like, but I don't think he could have said that about Don Cab too, though. He was saying that about the first album, the first made. record. Sure, yeah. Well, and what's the? Oh God, what what's in the liner notes? It's like Don Caballero is not jazz. 
uh, Don Caballero is uh, like uh, free from solos, right? I think that that was that was a that was you know the internet. See that that went back and forth too, and I can't remember who wrote which. I mean, because sometimes someone would call me and say, "Hey, could you write a bio?" and I would, and they go, "You know what? I, it's not going to work. We're sorry." And and then they'd ask somebody else, and then that. So so it it from album to album. Like I think Ian wrote the bio for for what burns i think ian wrote the bio yeah and i can't remember if i wrote the bio or not for for don cab too i can't remember nice. i honestly, genuinely cannot remember um but what, what what you're asking what about the bio what what well, well just like there, there was already refresh me i've already lost my trail no because it almost seems like there was a both an attempt at sort of commentary on myth making but then by the same token like a solid like embrace of Defining your own world and doing so in a way that it kind of gives a statement of intent, but also sort of who cares about this? I mean, like, what is it? That's one that is faux ass nonsense, right? If I remember correctly. Yes. Yes. Like putting some faux ass nonsense into the for people to maybe attempt to sift through, but but then also being serious. I I, I think um, from every that sounds like one Ian might have wrote then. Um, but now, now you've got me thinking there might have been different headers. There might have been like one for one for like the mail order catalog versus one for the press kit. And I, now I, I'm really I'm now I'm getting fuzzy on who wrote what. Because um, I, I felt like I wrote I would write one and then Ian would write one. I would write one then Ian would write one, and then. And then, you know, when Storm and Stress were on Touch and Go, he started, I, you know, he definitely wrote very um, specific and interesting bio press kit things for Storm and Stress, for yeah. sure. And I don't know if that would mean he would be too busy to, to write one for Don Cab, too. Or to, I, I just seem to remember we, we took turns writing the bios. But I, I can't, I, I honestly can't remember, no. Well, that's interesting because to me, from an outside perspective... It, it just seemed like the voice of Don Caballero. It didn't seem like two different people writing. It seemed like you guys, whatever you were tapped into uh, at the time, like it never seemed like there were multiple people writing. It just kind of seemed like a unified voice. Uh, that record, some of the dual guitar stuff between those guys on that is really, really astounding, like really compelling stuff. Like I've heard other bands rip it off, frankly, <laughs> and be like, oh, I got that record too. It's good. um well i mean we we got to really um to take those songs out on the road really 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 tour tour those those tracks so they weren't um well with the exception of no one gives a hoot about foas nonsense that one was probably the most theoretical because i don't think that one didn't that one did not get to to get played live before it was recorded, but all the other ones did. So you get to see like an audience reaction. You get to see people get stoked at certain points and kind of like, sure, sure. You know, the aforementioned hypnotic trance, you know. Like, and then two two of those tracks were from Ian's band Racco Racco. Really? Were, oh, yeah. Interesting. I did not Puma, know that. Stupid Puma and Pantless were tracks from Ian's band Racco Racco that he was doing around the same time we were doing like the the first couple of singles. Oh, wow! Wild. Okay. Yeah. Very and they were good enough that like you you know they were they were good enough tracks that 
we we all felt Ian felt and we felt that yeah you don't throw songs this good away we, what yeah. would you think about you know since nothing ever got done with them why why don't we you know sure. reiterate them into Don Cab songs let them live let them live and so yeah precisely uh what the Col- Colton needs the um kind of weird piano and uh I think that's the one right that, that's it's got like the um yeah l- I I know you're. Yeah, where, where did where did that come from? Was it was that okay? That was all Mike. That's all Mike in one guitar and one amplifier. Really? Um, so that if anything, that's a Mike Banfield solo album track, and it was very very Fred Frith inspired, um, with the little Gator clips on the strings to to give it that very spooky before Sonic Youth kind of sound that Fred Frith had. I used to live next to the. Uh... To, to a place uh, Fred lived at, and uh, yeah, genius, genius guitar player. And okay, I, I, I've I've wondered that for Christ, how many years? <laughs> so I'm kind of I'm kind of tripped out that you would say piano because, like, really? I mean, that's I mean, isn't that what it is? I'm piano trying to sound like that. My gosh, it, well, it sounds it sounds like I, it's it's a it's a thing, and I I don't know if it's. I mean, is it guitar? I mean, I don't. I don't oh know. yeah, no, it's a guitar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, even the even the the feedback was just like a guitar resting on its back on top of the amp head, and then the staccato, the precise. Yeah, okay. Where that that's like your Gator clip string by Gator clip string kind of tone up tones he got the way he yeah, assembled it. I, I guess I don't mean tonally, but like almost like it's played like a piano is sort of what it was. Okay, like. okay, well, yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, I can buy that. Yeah, yeah. The the staccato. Um, arpeggiation. Yeah. Yes. Thank yes. you. I could, couldn't couldn't think couldn't think of, of that word, but that's exactly. I, what yeah, I, I can I can I can I can cook with those albums. Okay. <laughs> uh, so working with Al on that record. Yeah. That did, is there anything that he specifically kind of brought to the table, or that uh, that relationship brought out with that record? Absolutely. He he had a completely different take on. Um vintage gear you know hmm. steve is really into knee boards and russian microphones and um and and so we, we 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 loved all that stuff but then we wanted to try something different um for our second record and so we went with somebody else that was just as into vintage gear but just a different a, a different uh head trip than than you know steve's affinity with the vintage gear uh on don cap 2 I think it was an API board that used to belong to the Doobie Brothers. Um, <laughs> was the mixing desk awesome. where for respect was Carly si- used to belong to Carly Simon, and that's the one Steve had in his home studio, his Neve board, his right. first Neve board, that I think is still in his his number two room at Electrical Audio. Now I, I could be wrong about that. I, I I think you're right. I believe you're right. Yeah. Okay, and then. Um, for Don Cab th- or uh, what burns, we we made that record with Al as well. And by then, just a short two years later, three years later, two years, the, he didn't even have the API board in in White Room Studios anymore. He had a Helios board that used to belong to Led Zeppelin, or <laughs> or maybe it might have been Super Tramp. It might have been Super Tramp. I could, or maybe you know what? It was a Frankenstein board. Oh really? That, it was from pieces of a board that used to belong to Led Zeppelin and Super Tramp thrown together nice the, the helios mixing desk on on uh what burns best of both worlds uh 
last thing, the, the album cover for Don Cap 2, all the, uh, the, 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 the smoky sort of explosion-looking things, like what are they? What is, what, is, what is that piece of art? That was a coke-smelting facility at the bottom of the hill I grew up on in Pittsburgh, and that was the first album we had done with artist photographer Andy Vogt. And he was just really, as someone who moved to Pittsburgh in his, you know, formative college years, he was very, very intrigued by the sight of this smelt plant and what it looked like at night, what it looked like in the daytime, yeah. what it looked like from across the river, what it looked like from on top of the hill. And so he just he photographed it like relentlessly until he, we, he had enough and of his best stuff that he, he shared with us in, you know, pro, pro, you know, propositioned us, what would you think? And we all loved it. And then I think Ed, the manager at Touch and Go Records, paid us the compliment of saying he thought that was the best looking Touch and Go record to date when, when it came out. It's pretty great, dude. Like I was I was looking at that the other day. I was like, God damn, that's a record cover right there. <laughs> that's, that's good. It's nice. It's nice. I, I like how it came together. And then um yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, I was gonna say something about um, someone I thought you know, that might have. Uh, yeah, you. I mean, you can't copyright like six, <laughs> six pains, like just like, like attack. Tick. You can't say hey, you stole our tic tac toe board. Man. Yeah, you're it's gonna like, hear from Hollywood Squares exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. It's, it's. Yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll take the compliment and leave it at that. Uh, okay. So next up. What Burns Never Returns. Yeah. And, and by the way, talk, talking about iconic album cover, uh, that one blows me away, too. That, that like, yeah. Jesus, dude. Uh, yeah, Andy was uh, really, you know, he, he was on top of his game, for sure. And so, to this day, so many people ask me, what is that cover? What, what I can't, how did they do? Did, you know, and I'm like, because I know, I get. I guess. I guess I'm spoiled. But it's like it's a stairwell of an apartment complex, and but at night you can't see the apartment building, and then it's very foggy and very hazy. And it, it was such a, but it became such a. It was such a beautiful image. We weren't concerned anymore with like you, you know, how the rabbit actually came out of the hat or anything. Yeah. Like it, it was just, we were just engrossed with the image and that at that point and then even ian even named the song slice where you live like pie to sort of imply that like that house could will easily now be you know disassembled via some ginormous you know light bar slice mechanism coming through your neighborhood if you did there and i like that too i thought that was a great song title to, to match the cover art and and but to this day, people are like, "What does that mean? Slice where you live like pie, and what? How did you get that light to float in the sky?" And it was like, "Wow!" I mean, you, you, um, I, I guess I never, I, I, I guess I never gave myself enough credit for just appreciating it without thinking about it too much, because some yeah. people really want to know all these ins and outs of it. And I'm like, "Well, I mean, I remember the day it came out. I remember seeing it in the in the record store and and being like." Wow, is that is that like an alien teleportation device? Like what? Like what? Like what is happening here? And like that green is just so like right yeah. there, right? Especially on the LP, where you're like, wow, what is yeah. that? 
Well, I mean, if 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 the record store was being kind to our new release at the time, it was was a new release. There was an accompanying poster that was a little bit more revealing of the of the structure and the stairwell and so forth, so that you could see the you could see how the rabbit came out of the hat kind of stuff. Sure. You know how the trick was done. And, I um, had it. Yep, I remember. But I mean, not necessarily every record store got their posters. Maybe not necessarily every record store displayed them. So it's it's hard to say. But um. so uh, I mean, yeah, I just, I had to give a shout out to that record cover because that's well, thank I mean, you. No, thank you. thank you. To this day, like I, when I think thank of you too, if you ever if you're able, I, to. I I would love to. Uh, when when I think of the great record covers, like that's I mean that's that's one of them for me. And, and no no joke. Thank you. Uh, so, what burns? It's like it's like about two years, right between there, two 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 and change, maybe. Uh, yeah. Pat's back. That's true. Yes. Uh, you have to me. That's where Ian kind of started to really blast off into the outer galaxies with uh, with all the. Um, pedal stuff and and like the crazy not that he wasn't yeah. you know not that he wasn't before but that's the one where it's like holy moly like I, I remember seeing you guys on on that tour and as a guitar player just being transfixed by what what is what what's yeah. happening right now what's just just that's astounding yeah which as was every other dude let's be clear dudes uh all doing exactly the same <laughs> thing <laughs> yeah. i did not punish him about pedals though uh, but that's, I mean, to me, like that, that's such a, it's such a strong record. Like, I mean, I think of, uh, what is it in the absence of, uh, like, I mean, that's one of my favorite songs from you guys in, in the absence of strong evidence to the contrary, um, that, 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 that charging the bull, the bull. Charging bull. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we misspelled the word absence on that somehow, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> The proofreaders didn't get it, or they just assumed that it was like whatever. This that's them. It's those guys. They do what they want. Yeah, it could have been that too. <laughs> that's the that's the problem with being very adamant about like capitalization and pronunciation and and, and so on and so on. Is that people are just gonna assume that? Um, but but yeah, I think that that's look that, that that's a, that's a fantastic record, man. And that that's actually aged really well. I think. Uh, <clears throat> What are, what are your thoughts for what what burns like? Where where are you at as a band at the time, and what are your? Thoughts I, I'm your just thinking maybe it's good luck. It's good luck to misspell your your word by accident. It's like when they say if you if you step in, um, you know, Kalmanor, it's good, <laughs> it's it's good luck if you. But it has to be a genuine accident. You can't. You can't try to step in the Kalmanor. Yeah, right. And pretend it was an accident. <laughs> uh, who knows? What what are my thoughts on that record? Um. I, you know, um, we had most of the rehearsals for that record took place pretty late at night. Hmm. I, I would say from about like 9 p.m. to midnight, which was kind of interesting. Um, and I mean, when you're young, I, I mean, you can, you know, you have a, a you know, you have a vitality and a spunk about you that you, you definitely lose as time goes by, but like, you know, we, I, I remember like all the rehearsals for that record, I would go out and have dinner around one in the morning, every, every night 
uh, when we the whole time we rehearsed for that record. Which, when I think about that now, it's like I, I couldn't, I couldn't do, I couldn't do any of that, you know. Um, <laughs> right. It's it, that is a young man's game. Is that? <laughs> yeah. How can you eat at one in the morning? That's just you know. I, that's just so. I mean, you can, but oof. it's like life on another planet now. But that's what that's just one, just one example of. of I mean. A, a, a behavior I so happen to remember that they just you know um, all all of the elements that, that must have come came together to, to make it all happen. You know? um, I I feel like that that's band hitting really hard at the time too. Like I think like all like the crazy interlocking interweaving guitar stuff. Uh, yeah, the compositions are very strong. It doesn't. It echoes some of what ha- was happened before, but like you're building into something that I think, that I think you really hammered home more so later in American Dawn. But like it, it, it's it's a it's a notable tra- like tr- it's a transitional record, but an iconic one, I think. I yeah, I, re- I remember Bruce Adams getting get. I mentioned people that that you know wrote record reviews i thought were unfair but uh bruce adams i remember at the time when that was a new record he wrote a a record review he used to be a touch and go back in the late 80s but i i I think he'd moved on by the time we were signed to touch and go uh but he had cranky records and then he had cranky yeah Yeah, and he when what burns came out he he wrote us a very very nice record review and it kind of wrapped it up plain and simple I don't think there's anybody else out there right now that can claim the the level of originality that we had finally achieved by that record. I mean, there, there, it was completely our own concoction, and there was there was no way anybody else was going to be able to pour anything into their punch bowl that was going to be the same beverage as what we were, you know, serving up. And um, that it was a very nice record review. I mean, that had to feel good, right? I mean, that's, it, yeah, that's it did, <laughs> and it made up for all the you know the King Crimson comparisons. Right, exactly, yeah. Robert, Robert Fripp, who exactly? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, you have. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Slice Where You Live Like Pie, which, by the way, um, it, th- that's the one that there's like uh, on the singles collection. There's like a kind of uh, they're split up. Uh, uh, is that the one I'm thinking of? Um, yeah. No, no, it's 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 uh it's uh, uh it's the other one. It's the one it's the one I went after that. Uh American Dawn? Or uh... No, there's the one you have on Singles Breaking Up um where it's it's like it's it's like two songs. No, it's room uh, it's a room temperature. It's room temperature where it's like there's oh, two Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was a single. Okay, that that ended up with a so, somewhat different version ended up yeah, exactly. on the album. Yeah. Right. Right. God, that was a long way to go for that. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you can edit it out. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's at least, look, the, this, this show is what it is. Half of it is me trying to remember and stuff from, you know, 20 years yeah. ago. So, <laughs> uh, okay. but the, yeah, like, did you, did you, which one came first? Were this the individual, were those individual? Oh, yeah. The, the, the single, if, if anything, the single. Tray, Tray Dogs Acid and Room Temperature Lounge. Yes, because it's Room those, Temperature those Sweet. Demo. It's sweet on the record. That's right. Yes, I remember this now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's Lounge on yeah, the... Uh, if anything, they were like the demo versions. And then the, the ones on the album were the more mature versions, I think. Right. If, unless it, unless you see it through a different lens in reverse, maybe that you think the demo version was more mature. Um, and, and, you know, there, there, were other, there were other groups... 
at the time that had like um like the, uh, two of the really good songs from Jesus Lizard Liar were um I think there was a there's like there were like demo versions from Idful Studios they did of those songs before uh, they ended You're up right. on on the third album yeah and, uh, yeah 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 I can't but they got the released uh, there was a seven inch of them you know yeah yeah and there was um but then i think the better versions ended up being the ones on the album you yes know, that, steve, that steve recorded that album to uh, absolutely uh the, the so okay so so uh so yeah so with what burns like how how strong how, how strong were the opinions in the room for like how the songs were arranged at that point? Did you say reached? How like what? How did you reach consensus uh, for arrangement for those ones? Was that something? Was that uh, were these tour tested at the time? Were they? Uh... Yeah, to to an extent. No, let me think about that. No, um, no, because because that was the record. That was our like. That was like our mid '90s comeback record in a way, or yeah. late '90s comeback record. So, I yeah, I don't think those songs got to be as road road tested. Um, let me think about this. Yeah, not really. No, not really. And so, I mean, it, you you would just kind of have to look around the room, and if like all frowns were erased, I think you 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 check the box that we're, we got this one almost put together here. I guess. Um, yeah, because we, yeah, when the, we didn't do any touring for that record until it came out and it wasn't, it was only about, about a two week tour, I think. And then in the fall we did a big six week tour and then we did a big European tour later in the winter for the, for that one. I'm trying to remember which of those I saw of you guys, but if I remember, I think that was with Ladio Balaco and Dinoga, if I remember correctly at, at San Francisco. Um, but I can't remember if it was that or American Dawn. So, which is a very I different time period. A lot of shows with Dianoga for American Dawn. I'm thinking maybe you. It's probably you American had... Dawn. Yeah, actually, you know what? It definitely was because I remember uh, Ian had the two Kai head rushes going. That's I, I yeah. remember that specifically. Yeah. Um, thank you, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the show I was at. Glad we sorted that out. Hey. Uh, but I mean, I but I did I did see that tour, and it was I mean, you guys were like that that was. That was a pretty no nonsense tour. Like you guys were like hitting it on all cylinders uh, for that one. Did you? What, what was again? You you there? People had taken a break, right? So yeah. Did, did you feel the stuff feel good in the band at that point? Um. I I, I yeah. I mean we, we um. I'm pretty sure everyone had a had a sense of. We, we were, you know, definitely um, doing something worthwhile that, you know, contributed to making the landscape uh, a more pleasant place, you know, wherever, wherever, you know, you could cue our music up to be listened to. Um, it, 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 I mean, it didn't feel like... Um, we, we, we were engaged enough with just making the music and going out and playing it to the extent that we, we weren't thinking too much about, um, we weren't, we weren't evaluating the results. Sure. We, we were, we were enjoying it enough just to simply enjoy it for its sake at that point, I think. And, uh, how do you feel about, uh, 
you know, you worked with Al again on that. Do you think that's a the the record turned out the way that you originally were envisioning, or did it kind of take on its own life? Well, I mean, we knew we were going back to White Room again, and so I, I well, we here here's what we did on that record that was different. We made sure we had an extra couple, two or three extra twenty four track reels. Just and, at the ready, just ready to go. Yeah, and we, and we banged out multiple takes oh, of, interesting. of tracks. Oh, cool, okay. And in some instances, we would all have to agree, yep, that third, the third latter half on this version absolutely smokes. Um, and the first two-thirds of this one is the same. And if you were to splice them together there, you would have the ultimate version of what we've been able to accomplish since we only have two days left to mix looking at our watch. Right. And, um, and, and, and so th- th- that's why we did it that way. We, we, we want, we wanted to have the luxury of saying, let's, let's have enough tape on hand to try multiple takes of tracks. And so we got, we got the best versions because sometimes you would end up splicing something just because you messed up and, it's. It, I guess the logic was, if, if that's going to happen, at least let it happen because there's this better take sitting there that it wasn't premeditated to fix a mistake. It was just. It so happens this version's better. So if you're, if if you did have a mistake, let's let's, let's take two, you know, two segments that were the healthiest segments to to. Right. Together. And you can get different vibe, you can get different character. I mean, it's, it can be like the same parts, but just the feel is somehow different because of because of it being a different take, right? But perhaps. I mean, I I I know I goofed around with different snare drums from track to track too on that one. Um, just I mean, just because I, you know, you you had a sense that like okay. Not every person, not not every person in the world, not every musician in the, in the world, not every music, uh, re, you know, recording artist in the world gets these opportunities. It's not like I, I at least had a strong sense that you don't take anything for granted. I mean, we're we're I mean, we're in this recording studio with like millions of dollars of gear, and like y- you don't just treat that like something you can just do anytime you feel like whimsically. You know, I, I always had a strong sense of this is a gift. This is a um, opportunity. This is, you know, you don't um, take anything for granted. And, and so I, I always maximized on when it was time to make a record. Um, it was a little, I might've caused myself a little more stress than would have been necessary, but I think it always, it always came out for the better that I took it very, very seriously when I was in the studio. Sure. Um, Cause on the road, it was very much a party, but it, in the <laughs> studio, it, I, it, I got really serious, you know, about making sure we, you know, left the building with a real accomplishment under our, you know, our belt. Well, and it shows, you know, I mean, I think that, that, that deliberation and the care and attention to detail for that shows on, on the recordings. I would hope so. I would hope so. How'd you come up with the title, which to me is not one of the all-time great titles for that album? Well, if see, okay, I don't, I, I don't want to say this the wrong way. I'm pretty sure we directly lifted it from Laurie Anderson. 
like, but it wasn't really my idea. But like, like I, I mentioned how we took turns doing bios and things. Yeah. I think it was Ian's turn to name that album, and he did. And and, I, and I'm not trying to hang him out to dry or anything, but um, saying he just, you know, um, stole from Laurie Anderson. But I, I'm, I could be wrong about that. But there was something he was reading at the time where Laurie Anderson had some kind of campaign. Um, honestly, it might that might be a better question for Ian. Okay, <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair enough. But I know I know that was Ian's idea to call, and, and it is a great title. Uh, you know, I mean, we, you know, we, we had borrowed things from other people before, anyhow. So, you know. uh, did you have? Was there any temptation to call it Don Cab Three? Um. If there was, it was it was comfortable enough to just to dismiss it to letting a song be, be called a song that. called that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I can't I can't remember how much how, how much thought went into that. I think you guys have you're up there with the Buzzcocks for one of the best named singles collection too, especially when matched with the artwork. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 The artwork was a nice um, dovetail with it. I mean, it's first of all, I think just the cover is genius. But I like the fact that you know, flip it over, you know, open it up. Like then you you get like almost the punchline to the joke to a certain degree too. And and like I just love the like uh, the what the what's going on like guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty great. Uh, again, these are all visual references for those only yeah. listen to the audio version of the show. But just just look it up on the internet, people. You get the internet. Uh, I I think at that point you had so many great singles right was there just an idea of like hey let's put this in another format so we can so people can get it and hear it and so on yeah and, so on. and, and you know and, and yeah i mean to um to have an, a, a nice full-length release that addressed all the things that had gone out of print and um i i must say this though i mean if it had not been for um halo of flies had a had a compilation that was a direct parody of the Buzzcocks singles. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> singles going nowhere. Had it not been for them, I don't think there would have been as much incentive to sequelize the Buzzcocks. Yeah. But there, by the time, but the fact that they sequelized the Buzzcocks one, I think gave enough incentive to make a trilogy out of it. And, and, um, so I'm, I'm giving Halo flies credit that I, I don't think we would have want that, that we wouldn't have called our singles comp something in lineage of the Buzzcocks one had it not been for Halo Flies. Tom, take notice. <laughs> uh, well, and that's, it, it's a great compilation too, because it's a, it, I think it's an actual really interesting distillation of what Don Cab did and like a better than solid entry point for people. And what I, what, from again, from an outside perspective. And for me, I feel the same thing about the Buzzcocks one. <laughs> but in a very different way. <laughs> no, I, I've, I've I've heard that from people. Like they say, yeah, when I'm in the mood to put on a Don Cab record, I usually grab the singles comp. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, you know. How do you feel about it? Do you think? Do you think it's? Uh, I mean, it's all over the place, right? But yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, I mean, different eras of recording, and you know, and um, so you know, some of those, uh, some of those early singles are are a little bit. Um, they're a little bit shade tree mechanic, you know, when you when you assemble them with all the yeah. all the other stuff. But uh, you know, it's 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 you know, it's it's 
Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm you know, I mean, I I'm, I'm glad we did it. You know, I mean, it, it's I I would be much less pleased if like the only way you could get all those songs was to like spend too much money on discogs. You know, exactly. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad we did it. Do you think that? Uh, well, and also, um, I, there's. I, I love that version that uh, and 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 I, I love that one specifically as a uh, as a single, but also its placement in, in there for myself. Yeah, that song was supposed to be slower. Oh yeah, and for whatever reason, Steve just kept pressing that button while he was reading his magazine and going, "It's getting slower, guys." getting slower it's getting slower and slower and slower as time goes by and so we ended up like so you can thank you can thank steve albini for the how, the how fast that version of that song is for sure yeah i mean it, it, i think it's like it, it barely clears two minutes i mean it's pretty it's pretty speedy <laughs> but that's good for a single you know yeah, yeah. it all it all happened the way it happened do do you like the uh, the sequencing on that one at all? Like how it all plays out as a record? I I think it's chronological, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's sort of I, like I, a, I I'm stuck with liking it chronologically. <laughs> then, I guess yeah. I guess there's not much you could do about it, right? Yeah. So, American Dawn. Cool. That record. was a that was it. Well. Not to interrupt you before you even ask a question, but yeah, that was a different kind of pineapple for us. But yet, but ask what you were gonna going to ask. Well, you know, we referenced it earlier, and and for me, that's very much uh, that's a, that's a sea change record to a certain degree, where there's a a vibe to it that is not there uh, on the other records. And by the same token, there's a, there's a different degree of melodicism displayed there that has to do with Relaxed is the wrong word, but it has a quiet authority to it. Okay, I like that. I like that. Uh, so, sure. wh- so where where were you guys at at the time? Because I know that this is the fifth record, the fifth Don yeah. record. Yeah, yeah. At that window in time, we were the only three people we knew that could do anything in in terms of being music artists in a band because that's all we did and so you know we 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 definitely hustled and and you know we played lots of tour dates um it, it you know at that window in time and we we you know it's and we all lived in chicago and there are only three of us and so we, we just, I, I think, and we all, we all got along pretty well at that point in time. And, um, well, and, and then so, something about like in the window of when we actually made the record, that's when, that's when things started to, to get a little bit negative and deteriorate, I think. But like up, up until actually recording that record, like writing all those songs and touring, um, playing lots of shows with Dianoga. Um, who are great, by the way. I, I love that band. Oh They're yeah, absolutely. Sh- so great. I, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, the the times we, you know, um, toured with them. I 
we 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 got along pretty good, uh, you know. Um, writing all writing all that stuff, and 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 those songs had to really come together live too, because when we left the the rehearsal space with like all of those American Dawn songs for the first time and hit a, hit the road for like a lengthy tour, those first couple shows I think might have been like in St. Louis and places like that. They they must have been like really harebrained and off the wall. Just we. It's audacious. We, 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 we pulled, it, pulled it together and got it in the pocket, though. And then, yeah. And then by the time we were playing like six week tours with the Champs, I mean those songs were just ripping, roaring, ready to be recorded. And that record was literally done piece by piece by piece by piece by piece. Hmm. And there was a criticism that that's that's like you know the height of the music industry 101 technique like every sticks record has been made like that there's nothing exciting about it the, the most exciting thing about this music is that it can actually be played and you know why don't we record it that way and i i guess i don't know what i could have done differently at the time and i i know ian wasn't happy with it or at least he expressed that in the in the immediate days you know of it being a new record Really? Hmm. Um, you know, see, but yeah, I don't want to hang him out to dry. Don't don't take my words wrong. Um, he may feel differently about it. And we all feel differently about things now than we did then. It, but um, what, what was my 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 um, my ultimate point was? Um, it, I mean, it 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 may have been a, a shame that we didn't actually get to make that record the way it was performed. Got it. Okay. Um, and, and I apologize to, to any to everyone if there was anything I, I could have done differently to to make that the case. But I, I think as it stands on its own, like to, to date, I, I think it's a it's a it's a very worthwhile part of our portfolio or, or repertoire or discography. Um, and I mean, I'm not ashamed of it or anything. I, um, I think it's freaking awesome, dude. I mean, like when I when most I, people do, most people do. When I first heard Peter Chris Jazz, I was I was like, oh, okay. And then my second thought is, how in the world are they going to do this live? <laughs> because yeah. it was down. Because at that point, you were a trio, right? And 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 then, yeah. and then I saw you, and I saw Ian with his with his wild tap dancing routine and and all the gear, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, these crazy bastards did it. <laughs> they oh did yeah, it. I mean. Um... You know, he he, um, he conquered the situation with some over-the-top innovation, you know. It, it, it uh, frankly blew my mind. I, 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 was, <laughs> I, was, I was like, wow, okay. Well, you, you would think just by virtue of, of, like, neat little stomp boxes like a head rush puddle existing that, that, you know, everybody would have started doing that kind of thing, but nobody else did. Nobody had any interest in doing it, yeah. you know. We did it because we were trying to replace a guitar player that had left. The band. It, well, and that's what it that exactly. So that's how it felt is that like it was filling the space of where the other guitar would have been. By the way, I bought a head rush after seeing you guys play on that one. I, although I didn't use, utilize in the same capacity and fashion, but I, I know I'm not the only one that did. Again, lots of tone peepers, but the it it worked in the way that sometimes when a band 
you're used to kind of seeing it a certain way and it loses a member, it lo- it, it's diminished in some capacity. There was no diminishment whatsoever. That was what I'm trying to say as a fan. Yeah. yeah. Aces. So, but I mean, then also these, these are audacious compositions, right? I mean, like, again, Peter Chris Jazz, one of my favorite Don Cap songs, clears 10 minutes on the record. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, we, we, we were so not even paying attention to that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, I, I mean, the loop Ian comes up with on his head rush pedal for that song is just so amazing. It, it just yeah. sounds so, um, it, it it doesn't sound like it came from like recorded human recorded music history. It sounds like it's from some other place. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the last thing on anybody's mind was how long a, a track was going to be. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you're on Don Caballero time. <laughs> it's what it is, what it seems like. Yeah. I mean, it, we, we, we had no, sense of well we might be more rewarded if we were to you know to um operate within the realm of caring about you know the the lengths of the the pieces but yeah it just never it never happened or occurred and shocking to my own personal sensibilities at the time i like the the lack of it being aggressive too like i i like that again you know the, the quiet authority the assuredness of it uh it it was the exact right record, I think, for you guys to make at the time, and it was, in retrospect, quite bold. Yeah, and yeah, you're making me wonder if, like, if I, you know, was was just trying to blend in with something else, because from where I was sitting, hmm. I, I felt like I was I was giving it a pretty good whale, a pretty good um, wallop, but. Uh, yeah, I could see. I, I could see it being. Well, you definitely didn't tippy tap your way through it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, that's yeah. not what I mean. But it's. Yeah, but I, I, see, I, I know in my mind, I wasn't pleased with the the direction all music seemed to be taking at that hmm. point in history, which was everybody seemed to be like trying to out mellow the mf out of everybody else. Mo, mf, I'm gonna out mellow your ass. I'm going to make a record so mellow and, and like th- that seemed to be like the thing everybody was, you know, just trying to out mellow everyone else. And I, I definitely was not on board for that, but I may have also been, I mean, you know, I had to be willing to work with what was on the table. And, and if the compositions were leaning a little more in a direction of like, well, this, there's no need to freak out here because that's not what this expression's going for. And so, by by default, I, m- I might have um, performed a little more reservedly than hmm. than the, the the normal high octane, uh, you know, high octane first attitude that my 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 playing had on previous records, perhaps. Hmm. Now that you've got me thinking about it, right. now, <laughs> no, sure, sure, and these are the words that are coming out now that you've got me thinking about because it. it's, I think. On first blush, it seemed like, oh, they're trying something a little different, but it didn't seem like, hey, y'all, here's the easy listening record. I mean, to be to be clear, I don't want to misrepresent that at all. Like it was very much, no, this is this. They're just they're they're trying this, and it's it's gonna blow your mind if you actually sink in and, and let it kind of wash over you almost in a different way. 
And then I also thought that the sets were like well balanced too. Like you got like some of the, the you got some of the old rippers in there as well, and it didn't seem like it was like programmed weirdly or you know jarring. It all it all fit very nicely. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean that's the cool thing about being like it, like an underground art band is you're not stuck to like, you know, the conventional standard of like you know the recording artist that like gets to an age where like they can make a whole new album of, of material, but like there's not enough time to even play one song from your new record in your set when you go out and tour. Right. And then when you get really old, there's no way you can even get off the stage without playing songs that you can't even stand at all anymore. <laughs> right. So you I mean, you the flame. Yeah, those exactly. problems when you're, you know, an underground, like art rock band. So, yeah. um, uh, yeah, I mean, our, our sets were probably kind of, nicely peppered with old material new material and it was definitely something we all enjoyed there there were no like oh well we you know we have to play there there was no song in our in our set list that we had to play it was it was all about whether we enjoyed playing it yeah and and then you know it seemed like from a creative standpoint like don cap was was doing fantastically but you it's you've been a band a long time at that point too Right, so you know, yeah, tensions fray. Almost, so. almost ten year, uh, almost a ten year old band by that point. Do you feel like how it all went down? Do Do you feel like that's something that was due to just the stress and exhaustion? Was it just uh, you know people growing in in different ways? Um. I, I mean, there were, there's, you know, there's definitely a laundry list of things I could have done much more gracefully. Just, that's just me personally. Um, but I mean, you know, it's, it's all water under the bridge now. I mean, all, all we can do is just, uh, you know, you know, apologize for anything that, that was, you know, horrendously bad and and just you know um accept the history that for what it is you know um it's still you know it's on our you know if you magnify us on our worst day we still would have you know you know better days than many many other you know music groups that ever existed so you know and the nobody Nobody dragged themselves to death, even if they came close, you know, <laughs> and just, you know, you know right. so there's a, there's a good laundry list of things that happened too. So. And the art was always there too, you know, and, and that stands on its own. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, you can't argue with the, you know, the, uh, there's nothing to revision. I mean, you know, it's, and, and the songs are so complicated who, who would ever do it, you know, if like, <laughs> It's, 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 Go back know. and remix it and mix people out or mix, <laughs> put on overdubs. Do a George Lucas, put on overdubs where they didn't exist before. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what's so funny is when you watch some old movies, there's there's some there's still spots where they didn't fix them. Like yeah. they went through the big thing with the one Blade Runner movie to make sure Harrison Ford. They got his son to 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 um, make sure that this line like way behind some like plated glass you can see Harrison Ford's lips move and they, they wanted to make they wanted to fix that but if you watch Empire Strikes Back there's there's like Bruce Bowe is like flapping his jaws and like all kinds of lines that didn't get included and like 
right. You fixed, and I'm thinking you fixed all this stuff and tweaked and tweaked and tweaked, and but then you're still going to let that go. Yeah, it's just it's none of my business. But like you know, it, it's weird what people focus on sometimes. It's fast. Yes, it's fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating how people treat their baby, their art. You know, it, it's um, it's and you know. You gotta have you gotta have Han shooting first. Apparently, you know that's a, that's the most important thing. <laughs> well, I mean, I gotta some some people criticize like, oh, you should never you should never buy um, bootlegs from you know eBay sellers or whatever, you know. Um, and I'm like, look, I don't have the capability of burning a Blu-ray disc myself, and so I don't have a problem with buying. I I think those the Team Negative One they took. Um, original 35 millimeter prints of the star Wars films. Yeah. And they, they scrubbed them frame by frame and gave them 4k scans. And I think they, of the original films, if yeah, you yeah. want, there's no argument about what's the original film when you do it that way. And I think they look beautiful. I, I just, I have one. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So you, you know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about. Exactly. A, little, a little off the subject of Don Cabrero, but yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it's, but it's, we got talking about it. You know, Hey, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's worth discussing. Uh, something else worth discussing. I I love that Bellini record. I, I think Bellini okay. is, it was a super interesting. I was a, a huge Zeta fan, so that was it. Made me very happy that you guys uh, <clears throat> were playing together. I know that basically Don Don Cap didn't break up exactly. You guys went on hiatus, if I remember correctly, or or is it? Uh, am I remembering this wrong? Because this is twenty two years ago at this point. So no, um... or was it more definitive? The, the the original touch and go era Don Cab kind of concluded, and then there was a new. You came relay. back with the Crater Borgia guys. Great band, by the way. I fucking love Crater Borgia. Uh, well, thank, thank you. Uh, the but in the interim, that's when you started up with uh, uh, Agostino. Yeah, and, and and company, right? So can you can you tell me a little about how that came to pass? Yeah. Um... No pride whatsoever how the, you know, the falling out took place. Um, could I have uh, handled things in a more mature manner? Possibly. Um, really nothing I can do about it now. Um, there, there were just so many things didn't happen for us that led up to a burning fuse that kind of turned into an explosion, I guess. And... A real simple one would be um, well, there. There wasn't any, like there was there wasn't even a vinyl edition of, of the album, um, huh. and it, it's all it's almost like there there was so we we had such a lack of support. It's almost like we didn't. I don't think we felt like we existed, and that was the attitude we were given. Like, oh well, you're not a real band you're just uh you're just this thing and so and, and so it made us feel like we weren't real and so the consequence of like having a bad day turning into a bad week turning into a bad tour turning into a like oh well screw you then like go stuff it and um it, you didn't feel like you were jeopardizing anything real by misbehaving in any way i, I mean not to make excuses um but it that's how I felt any in any event. Um, but they continued to, um, to to be a band with yeah, well, they, my absence, and so yeah. that's that's fine. It just I wasn't interested anymore. But you know, well, and that's, that's Alexis like, Isaac's a great drummer, and he you know he stepped up to the plate. And, 
it, it's and just, they had a good time with him. It, it's such a shame because that was definitely again. I mean, I saw uh, I was that Princeton, New Jersey show. The all that all day thing. Shellac played too. Oxes played. Um, but that was the first time I ever saw Zeta. And I saw Don Cab too. I'd seen you guys a bunch. That of was a good show. That was, was a, a really show. great show. And the idea that like I was like, oh crap, Damon's playing with like with those two. Holy moly, that's going to be amazing. And then I, then I heard it, and it was predictably badass. Like I was like, that's the thing that I wanted that to be. That's fantastic. And I and I just it was from a distance. It was confusing without knowing the intricacies of like what was happening inside. Uh, and it's just a, it, it's just a shame. It, 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 it's a shame because I think that it should have been. If that's if you, the answer is that it, you know it wasn't being given the difference that it should have been and treated like a quote unquote real band. It should have been because I think there's a lot of potential there. And it's a I don't know. That's one man's I thought, opinion. I thought so. Um, you know, it, 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 the record that I made with them is the best I could have done at the time. I think. Um, and you know it, it stands as what it does. You know. Um, have you talked to Agostino or Giovanna? I, I have not. I have not. Not because I, I um, not because of any kind of bitter uh, acts I can't bury or whatever. Um, uh, or what's the you know? I, I didn't mean it to sound like that. Like, not because I'm incapable of of making up with with someone because we had a falling out, you know, once upon a time, it's, it's just, um, you don't want to, you don't want to cloud, um, someone else's experience with, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't have, I mean, there's, there's no regret that I have that I, I requires me to, to, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's, maybe the bad is on me for not making amends, but, um, I, I think we all did fine to part when we when we did, um, just because. I, I mean, I think our work had concluded. I guess. Um, I mean, what would it, what would additional Bellini records have been like with me instead of someone else? I don't know. I don't know. It's never too late. You can always, you know, it's been a long time, man. It's never too late, though. That's the thing. You can always reach out yeah 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 i mean i don't even know what i would say at this point um yeah that's real i i mean um and you know we it wasn't even a heated argument it was just um and I like you know, sometimes people. Go, I want to hear your side of the story. Well, there's there's no there's not much of a side of a story. It was a unilateral failure just for for us to succeed, and you know things got heated in a in a negative moment, and and I just said, well, I, okay, I you know I, I I couldn't cope with it anymore at the time, and and I, I felt like a relief when when when. Um, I just felt like I, there was too much of a responsibility for me to. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, we were very neglected from out of the gate, and I, I um, maybe I couldn't cope with that, and and that 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 was um, 
part of something I was harboring to, to, to justify saying, you know, I, well, I don't want to do this anymore. And, um, but well, here, I will say this. Some people had a misunderstanding that like I was, I did this like uh, sadistic act of stranding them somewhere. I gave them all the money we had, which would have been more if people would have been better to us from, you know, day one. Um, and if you, I mean, they stranded me in Rome a half dozen times, if you're going to say I stranded them in Athens, Georgia. So, I mean, you know, it, that's a miscon, that was misconstrued. Um, if, if anybody's interested in the record, I'm not really interested so much, but since we're talking about it, I'll mention that. Sure. You know? Well, I mean, again, yeah, we're talking about it. Like that's, it's not like why we're talking, but since we are talking about it, I, I appreciate you giving your side of that because I think that's important to get out there. And like people, people just come up with their own ideas, sometimes crazy that have nothing to do with reality. So it's, it's, it's nice to have that out there. Yeah. I, yeah, I, um, I don't know how to, to, you know, to create rebuttals for, for, for dramatizations that, that I don't remember necessarily. Sure. So you go back when you get the idea to start Don Caballero back up. Do you start playing with the creative Borgia guys first? Um, oh, I love creative Borgia wild underrated band, by the way, I'm like the I, one guy. I agree. <laughs> I agree. That didn't live in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah um no those guys were very interested and i was kind of you know still young enough uh you know that i that, that i had some some impetus to, to really you know um perform intensely you know in my mid-30s you know i, I still had you know had the, you know, the octane, as I've said before. Yeah. Um, which I'm finding again, interestingly enough, interest, interestingly enough in my, you know, mid fifties. Um, Hell yeah. It just, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a different thing than what you, know, you, you have to find a re, um, you have to, um, redefine the parameters, I guess. Um, but see, I, 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 you know, there, there have been times when like I rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and thought I was in tip top shape. And then we play the first show, of the tour. And by the end of the show, I'm like laying on the floor and like can't even move. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you got to like, work How did that happen. I thought I was in shape. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I may be talking out my wayzu if, you know, if I'm going to tell you, I'm in my mid fifties and top of my game, I'm coming back. And I, and like, and then like, I actually try to play a show somewhere and collapse and die on stage. <laughs> but, um, you know, universe willing, hopefully, you know, nothing like that will happen. But, um, did you ever see that? I hate to interrupt, but did you ever see the, the Rocky movie just called Rocky Balboa? The one that, um, there's, there's a lot of them. There's, there's like the one where he fights Drago, right? And there's a really terrible one that everyone tries to forget about. This is the one that came out like I don't know, ten years ago or something. Have you ever seen that one? 
I don't think I have. I mean, I know there's just so many of those Rambo movies and everything. And I, 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 yeah. I seem like the first of everything for sure. R- Rambo, I don't care for, but Rocky, I, I, I genuinely enjoy. There's again, apologies for the deviation. That last one, it's very interesting because he kind of comes back as a, you know, he's he's been retired for for what he's like running a restaurant or whatever, and this series of events happens for him to like do this exhi- like exhibition match with the current reigning champion and there's no reason why you should do this everyone is like dude you're gonna, you're gonna get killed etc cetera, etc cetera. but the reason and rationale that the rocky character gives for doing it they're being he, he's doing it because there's like he still got something left down there that needs to needs to get out and and the way he does it which like he doesn't have the speed that he used to have so he just gets himself in this like relentless like shape just just to be like a brick wall basically yeah. to do it and like i just i love everything about it because to me it's like an analog to being an artist as you as age sort of <laughs> takes you along your path that you go with age and maybe not what yeah, sylvester I- stallone intended at all but i found it very inspiring in that way i can't box anymore but if i if i if I hit the gym hard enough, I can ball kick anyone to the wall. And <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, it's it's super well done. And to me, it's atonement for the movie that came before that, which was not for me is the best way to put it. Uh, but I, it's when you mentioning, you know, coming at it and, and like feeling like you're, you're in great shape, but then also being like, oh, my God, I'm going to die <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Like that hit, yeah. hits a little yeah. close to home. Let's put it that way. If you stay, if you stay with it, you can you can sort of season yourself back up. I, I hope we'll see because yeah, you get you get into a different realm. Like um, you know, once you're on a stage, you know, performing, yeah. then then you know, it's a different realm than the rehearsal space. And another one is if you've ever played like outdoors, and I yeah. mean like outdoors, 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 like gasoline power generator out in the desert. So the vocalist in your band, uh, you know, can sing and, and your guitar players can plug in. Um, but your drum kit, you're just sitting there on the sand and there's no microphone. There's no mics. Anything. No mics. Yeah. <laughs> you, you see, you know, you see, see how good a shape you're in then if you want to hear, even hear your drums at all you're like, while oh. you're playing rock music in a band. I need to hit these like 50 times harder now just to be heard. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, the, you know, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of dimensions to, you know. But, but so, okay, but I, I don't want to short sell these records in, in that era because, I mean, I think Jason is, is uh, I mean, all, all the creative guys, but like, I think Jason is like such a cool and interesting guitar player and great dude. I agree. Uh, was it just something where you just started playing and then to see what would happen? Was there more intense well, behind see, it? I was a total fan of Creed of Borgia before anyone in Creed of Borgia was ever in on cab. I even played bass on a Creed of Borgia tour when they needed someone to fill in for someone. And I, I was happy to learn those songs and get in a van with those guys and just just for the experience of of playing their music i mean there there was nothing else in it for me other than that yeah still a great experience so i was definitely a fan of their band um and so when it came time to go well geez you know i i I mean you know i i need to do something with my life and i'm a musician so what's it going to be these guys are available um the pieces all just fell into play fell into place very naturally and 
we got about a seven year stint and two albums out of that, that whole decision to make that an endeavor. And, um, nobody, I mean, not, not nobody, but I mean, it's, I mean, nobody, uh, how do I say this? Um, some people might short sell the relapse Aerodon cab, but I, I, I find they're usually pretty cynical, pretty jaded hipsters that probably wouldn't have had much exciting to say about a sixth John Cab record with me Ian, and Eric, or a yeah. seventh record with me. I mean, I mean, so it's like a no-win scenario. Were, yeah. like, I, I've gotten, <laughs> I, I, I've gotten immense positive feedback from fans all over the world about the the records Gene and Jason and, and Ellsworth play on too, you know, well, some people like it just as much as any other Don Cap. So, and the, the only, by the way, I've been waiting 16 years to ask this. Was there a temptation okay. to call it Don Caballero too? Like that Roman numeral too? Uh, <laughs> like I'm Duel? Uh, yeah. I, I, I have to be t- perfectly honest. It never crossed my mind. Ah, Okay. All right. Never crossed my mind. Well, 16 years in the waiting now satisfied well, yeah, you know you know that's the answer to that yeah. but no i think i think those records hold up and i think that you know also so this is like 2000 so world class listening problem is 2006 five yeah. and six right and it, it took us like three years to get that record together you know to make it seem right down the line with with with, with what you guys were doing and i think there's uh there's cultural cachet to it. I thought the band was good. Like it just, it's it's weird how fickle audiences can be sometimes. But I think you know a lot of people were just very excited to have new Don Caballero stuff too. Like I, I don't know if it was. Well, the only audience that was fickle would have been the audience that would have made us a bigger band, because we we just continued to play the same size you know venues and flounder at that same level that we always had existed at. I mean, um. You know, the bottom of the hill in San Francisco was the same club for four respect as, you know, the last American Dawn tour, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just, you know, uh, you know, um, we, we were never able to get to a bigger level. And I, I, I don't hold anybody responsible for that. I mean, it's, it, I, you know, I, I, I had a great time in the relapse era, Don Cap, you know. Yeah, did you have like, I mean, composing? I really well with all those guys, too. We I always so had too. a laugh. I mean, sometimes we get too drunk, but I mean, always a good time, you know, never, never a bad time. What, what do you, so talk to me about the, about world class. Like when, when you were recording that, right. You, did you record over the course of like a longer period of time or was that kind of yeah. all? Okay. Yeah. We, we toured from like 2003 to, let me see if I had this right to 2004 for about a year we toured and we recorded five songs and then just shelved them uh-huh. and, and, Give knee pain. What was it? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, my knees are. It's a little cramped from yeah. sitting in the mic chair all the time. <laughs> it's it's, um, it's my cross <laughs> to bear, my personal cross to bear, Damon. Yes. Oh, I, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm just <laughs> sorry. I didn't mean didn't mean to over emote there. Just making sure you're okay. No, we're good. Um, and then, um, and then uh, we might have taken a little sabbatical because I was trying to do some speaking canary stuff, and then Gene played oh, drums yeah, in that yeah, 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 rendition, yeah. and then. Um, and then we got back to make, writing some more Don Cap stuff, and then I, it was 
we finally recorded enough for a whole album by Christmas time of 2005. And then I think Rennie and, and, and um, Gordon Conrad introduced themselves to me at a Speaking Canary show, said they would be very interested. And I was pleased to hear that, excited to hear that. And we, we just kept it in mind. And then when we had enough for a whole album, we gave them, you know, gave it to them to listen to and they decided they'd sign us. And so that's when we became a, a relapse recording relapse. We became relapse recording artists in uh, early in 2006. Who are known for, I mean, they're known as a quote unquote heavy label, but there's a lot of very interesting kind of unique bands that do their own thing on that label as well. That you know, Oh yeah, like, totally. I mean, zombie were another Pittsburgh band. Oh yeah. 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 Um, you know, that's probably if you know if there's going to be a new Don Cab iteration, it's probably it could probably resemble Zombie more than than uh, past Don Cab efforts. Just because I don't know, I can't I, I can imagine maybe playing with one to two musicians. I can't imagine like ever having like a four piece band again. I don't like, know why. Like a whole band? Is it just too many schedules? Too many personalities? Too many? Yeah, just too, too many. Every it just it, you'll be lucky if you can find one other person that has enough time to play music with you. And so, like maybe maybe a duo is the way to go. Then and that's that's yeah. a zombie or a duo. That's why. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. No, I I'm yeah, I'm very familiar. Um, <laughs> looks like that's what Ian's doing right now too. By the way. <laughs> oh, that, that's right. That's right. That's right. And I and I've seen some of the videos with just him and and um, Stanier. There, I mean, they're definitely. Uh, Knocking it out of their park, you know, yeah. for, what they're doing, for sure. And, Stripping and, uh, it down, but still keeping it very uh, pragmatic and awesome. And, and technology is advanced that you're able to augment in ways that uh, very easily that you weren't able to before, and prevent uh, and and provide something bigger, but then also, you know, not necessarily sacrifice the the sort of dynamic of having just like two people <clears throat> or whatever i mean one of my favorite bands right now is this band long and they're just a two-piece it's like vocals and cello and drums and and they're more intense than you know a five-piece freaking heavy rock band you know easily that's where your heart is it'll show you know on your sleeves so so that, that, it doesn't surprise me to hear that that's totally a possibility so you, you do world class uh then, and in, when you when you're going out and you're going out on tour with the creative guys, and pe- people are responding to it, but you're mentioning, I think you hit a key point there that it, it hasn't grown, right? Like it's still like you're playing the same sorts of venues and the same size venues. It's sometimes the same venue. All love to the bottom, by the way. Love bottom the hill. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, props to Ramona. I wasn't I wasn't hanging the her no, venue no. out. <laughs> thing. No, that, that's, I didn't. I hope I didn't create that impression. But but it, you know I talked I've talked to other fo- like Patty Shamel from Hole and stuff that when you're playing the same places and you're like oh yeah I played this place like you know way back and then sometimes that can kind of wear on you a little bit if you feel like there's no growth to it. Uh, I mean did did that? Well, I I remember hearing Manor Astroman complain about that on stage, like making that a part of the banter in their set. Oh you yeah. Know? And so, when I when I heard them saying that, I realized I wasn't the only person that felt that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> but then yeah. there's also you know cultural changes, you know, like things, especially now, like hey everybody who likes movies and TV shows because there's a hundred million of them 
all yeah. the time always and you're missing out if you don't watch them immediately and you know that's it's it changes the way people and that's pre-covid right that's pre-covid yeah right 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 so tell me about uh tell me about punkasm when you we do that that six record uh, yeah six, um, wait, six is that right one two three four five uh whatever the, yeah. the one after world class i might be yeah yeah it's our last full length to date um Ellsworth had to leave the band, um, and is, uh, our our fans missed him just as much as we did. I mean, a lot of people were not happy that he was absent. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the the problem Relapse had trying to work us was round one. Everyone said it wasn't Don Cab, and then by round two, everyone was on board that it was perfectly legitimately Don Cab, but then. Oh yeah, the record just wasn't as good as World Class. That that was the problem they had then when Got Punk it. Okay. was the record. And and, a lot, and some of the criticism from fans was that oh, it's just not the same without Ellsworth. And they were probably right; it wasn't the same. You know, you yeah. we felt his absence. I'm sure they did too. And but I'll tell you what: at the time, he right-sized us just perfectly because I don't think we would have been able to afford to you know put the gas in the tank and keep the pillows fluffed, you know, at the motel six and everything else had, had we still been a four piece band right. with a tour manager. It, yeah. it was the absence of a tour manager and a member that enabled us to be able to right size into another, uh, period of existence and another record, you know, fewer mouths to feed <laughs> again. Fewer yeah, I mean, the sad tank. reality of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it you know, there might not have been uh, a, a, that last Don Cab record if if um, we would have like you know um, tried to do a little spring tour, you know, and then you know with the, the the way things had been and just you know it just you know. But I also remember you know way back when there was like some people that were like oh how how could there be Don Caballero with without Mike Banfield you know like people like feeling that same way and then having their heads kicked in by what you guys what you guys did next and having like whatever the next phase of Don Cab was and be like, Oh, okay, my bad. But it does take a while for people to kind of adjust, I guess. I don't know why. I don't know why people feel like they have that big of an ownership stake in a band that they're not in, but uh, they do for whatever reason. I mean, and then, I mean, you know, I'm a pretty big music fan myself and you know, when I like something, when I was committed to liking something, I would find ways to enjoy the record that you like honestly knew wasn't as good as the one before it, but like if you kept an open mind and an open heart to it, yeah. You, you, to this day, you still love that record. You find a path to it. Yeah, sure. I'll give you a perfect example. I mean, at the time it was a new record. It got a lot of criticism. It got a lot of bad reviews and the band broke up and didn't come back for like a decade or so. And I'm talking about gang of four hard. That came out in 1983. That's right. And nobody remembers that now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember in by the by the early 90s, e even I was ashamed of my own love for that record to the point that I would go around saying things like, oh, yeah, they, their last record was so bad that like like uh, other like underground, you know, art rock bands could rip off Andy Gill. And no one would say anything because their last record was so bad. And it's like, 
that was my immature reaction to not being able to just admit how much I loved Gang of Four Hard as as well as the records before it. Yeah. And there's nothing, once again, that's water under the bridge. There's nothing I can do about it now other than say, (laughs) I think Gang of Four Hard is a great record, even though they were missing, you know, uh, you know, their original bass player, their original drummer, and replace him with a drum machine. I still love that record. Yeah. So is that stubborn commitment to loving something? Or is that just like, you know, open heart, open mind, you know? Yeah. Um, because to this day, I still think it's a great record, you know? Yeah. You know, I have the same experience. I definitely summarily dismissed it early on and then I went back I was like you know what like I don't agree with like some of these production choices for sure but like yeah, this this yeah. doesn't suck like I thought it did like this is yeah. and same thing songs of the free like I mean I, I was like god two of these songs are like two of the best gang of four songs ever it's just that there's some yeah. production choices that did not align with my mid-20s sensibilities <laughs> right right yeah so <laughs> no but I think that's that's a well that's a very mature and actually quite insightful way of looking at it because i think that you're onto something with that that and then when somebody has such a deep love and affinity for something i think <laughs> maybe that's why people can have these outsized reactions of feeling betrayed or something like how dare you first of all how dare you <laughs> secondly yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like just just that like it's a band like they're they're doing their thing man like come on and you know i think i've also in my adulthood come to come to conclusion ah you know that's not for me but that's okay rather than like being immediately no yeah yeah but i mean apologizing for it when you know it's it's truly very not good you know yeah and that's Look, there's nothing wrong with that. But I mean, that punk ass record, uh, it's, I, I think, is that's gotta be, is that the only one that has like vocals on it? I think so, right? Oh, well, okay. Yeah. The, when people ask that question at the time, I said, it's like, we'd like to avoid it as a talking point, but if you must discuss it, okay, let's discuss it. Oh, wow. Okay. Sorry. We're making sure we left no stone unturned to the possibility of experiencing some airplay success. And we didn't feel it was going to help or hurt us greatly in any way. So how could it hurt to have a few songs that no one can say, oh, well, we can't play this on the radio. It's got no vocals. And so we, we corrected a few, you know, potentials, you know, snafus on what could you know, not be a stumbling block towards us getting some airplay or, or, you know, God forbid, like an actual song in the video game or something that could generate some respectable some revenue <laughs> immensely. Which is the you only know? way you can make money now, pretty much. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's all that that's the short answer is that um, were we humming for our heart, our hearts so um direly that it just poured out of you know just came out of it flew it flowed out of our pores i don't think so (laughs) i thought it was cool i thought it was new you know i mean the song i sing on i was just having like an el perro del mar kind of goof because i i was just really into her first album at the time and i thought it was fantastic and and then i don't know what you'd have to ask gene what he was thinking talking about 
playing a dusty old record or something. And, yeah. Uh, and then and then Juver had a, a well, Juver played that saxophone thing. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Awesome. We actually got to play one show where every song from the record got played, and then you could even say that got played because they we put it through the PA when we walked on stage. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Jason's a great singer too. Like he's a great front man. Oh yeah, singer. totally. Like he's totally. again. Like yeah, I mean, I, I I was a fan. I was a Creed Borgia fan before any of those guys were in in any band I ever started. You know, I you know, I mean, I just. Um, they had a run of bad luck too, probably comparable to Bellini. Just with like, yeah, just not getting the support they need. I mean, the music artist can only accomplish so much by themselves. You can't be your own publicist and your own booking agent and your own recording engineer. And I mean, you can do a few of the things, you know. I'm as I'm going down this list, but like, right. you, you can't, can't do all of them <laughs> all yourself. You can't. I mean. Unless you can. I mean, who does it all themselves? The X, maybe? Did Fagazi do it all themselves? I guess they did. But, I mean, yeah. not everybody's those bands, though. You know, not everybody can be Fagazi or the X. You know, so and, and it takes a lot out of you to do it, too. I mean, it's, 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 sure. and it takes away time you can't spend on the music and, uh, you know, away from people close to you. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's, uh, that's real. And that's when people mythologize DIY. I think that's often left out of the conversation. I'm just pointing it out. I'm not, I'm not making it into a, you know, don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. So, so, so after Punkasm, you put out that, 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 like, a, like a live record that came out, like a few, few years yes. later, right? Joy from always put a live yeah. record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you consider like that era of Dom Cab to be over? Or is it just like a kind of on ice suspended animation Han Solo and the Carbonite situation? I don't know. I mean, when I think about the whole turning globe that we exist on, I, I just don't know what's next. I don't yeah. think anyone else does either. Um, but um, I'm, I'm feeling like, I mean, like I said, I have been playing again in the last two years. I That's am awesome. in shape better than I have been in a while. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm dabbling in structural content that could become composition. You know, I, mm. I, I've, I've had a few new breakthroughs in my style. Um, I, I've kind of, I've, I've hit some new strides in, in double stroke roles that, that I never quite, um, didn't never quite had that style of breath before is, is I'm really finding with cool. the way I'm, I'm playing some of the the uh, the double stroke roll textures in my the way I play, and it could it could turn into new material. It could it, you know um, I'll never say never. I it's I I, I couldn't. I but like as far as crystal balls, I don't have one. You know I, I can't. I, I have no future detector. Um, we well, did that cool. It's like a YouTube thing, right? Where you're like playing along with uh, with with the other the other stuff, which was so rad. Like it was so rad to see. Uh, cool, especially for. Look, I saw it and it was awesome, but like I was very busy being in the moment because all those shows were before everyone's filming every goddamn thing. And yeah, there's a yeah. bunch of kids, or you know, not kids. I'm being reductive. There's folks younger than me that never got to see that. New gen, new music gen. fans. Yeah, right. yeah. 
And, and then I like that that sort of parlayed into getting all those master tapes digitized. Yeah. Too. Like, that. Would, I thought that was, I was like, hell yeah, that's awesome. Yes, it is. I mean, I, I'm glad we were able to do that. Um, and I was, when, when the idea of doing playthrough videos was suggested to me initially, I was like, really? Well, well okay, what's, what's the main, main impetus? Is it to, to look at some like older guy and, and kind of point and giggle and say like, look at him still try to go. And, and the answer was, yeah, that's kind of it. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> we'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> I got close enough. And, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I've, got, I've gotten lots of positive feedback that, that, that people are glad that we, you know, that we have a whole new round that I just completed that should be pretty good. That's um, awesome. I love to hear that. That's great. I'm, I'm slowly tweaking things around here where I can get things to sound better than they ever have before from here. Um Maybe a tone set by the lockdown, perhaps. But um, yeah, which it, you know, it all came together how it came together. That's fine. Um, so I mean, there there may be new Don Cab material in the works. There may be. Love it. Uh, that's. I mean, that's. Awesome. I am playing again. I, I can say that and be completely straight and pure about that truth. Where it's going to go, I, I, I don't. I can't forecast right now. I hope it would develop into something worthwhile. Um, you know, I mean, I, I feel like I still have a round in me. Um, it's tough on my ears. Yeah. I mean, I'm 54 years old now and, and I, I do have the, um, w not the beginnings of tinnitus, but I think tinnitus has a few anchors on a few, you know, coccylia in my eardrum so, or something. I mean, tinnitus has a little bit of a foothold on one of my ears. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> Sure, um, and that's very real, you know. That's yeah, and it's, but you know, I, I I'm willing to to navigate through it and see where where it you know if if it, you know if it becomes unbearable, then you know you can always do the Roger Miller like from Mission of Burma. Just have those like <laughs> that's what I have to do because those are the things that cut out the noise the yeah. best. The run, the runway muffs. Yeah, the, exactly. Know? The airplane. <laughs> you know the exact reference I was going for. Yeah, it's like those things. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Look, it may not look cool, but if it if it saves your hearing, I mean, it's... I yeah, I, I, I'm way beyond being able to look cool. That's not you know, <laughs> right. It's probably probably not top of the agenda list at this point. I would imagine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get my best Phil Collins bald spot out there. <laughs> See what I can make happen behind the kit. Well, hey, he's had a bit of a resurgence lately, so well, you know, why not? Yeah, no, that's that's I I am amazed at some of the musicians that do like uh, keep keep going. It's 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 you know I I've got I've got no excuse, I guess. I mean, I do have my health, and it's 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 you know it's 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 a good um, it's a good exercise to stay in a better health. I think to to, to keep playing, yeah, keep playing behind a drum kit, you know. Well, I do hope that when you do have something, whatever that transpires and however it transpires that you'll come back and talk with me about it because I would love that. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Damon, this is, this has been 
fantastic. And I thank you so much for your time for this because I enjoyed it, my man. This is uh, I've been I've been wanting to do this for a very long time, and I know it was a long road for putting it together. And uh, man, it's 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 just been lovely. So thank you so much. You came highly recommended. So thank thank you for having me very much. Last thing, and you can choose to interpret this however you like. Uh, okay. it's, it's the only canned question I ever ask people, and I just like hearing how people react to it. And okay. uh, why do you do what you do? Uh, it was in the cards. It was in the it was in the stars. If you don't like cards, it, it just I'm fairly convinced of that. If that's a sufficient answer, it's a lovely answer. All right, all right, Damon. Thank you. Aces, my man. All right. Take care, brother. Cheerio. Good to talk to you. Oh, there he goes. Damon Shay, Don Caballero. Wow. Holy moly. That was fantastic. Uh, I hope you guys agree. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, let's hear song. <laughs>
right, that was In the Absence of Strong Evidence to the Contrary, One May Step Out of the Way of the Charging Bowl. The classic What Burns Never Returns album by Don Caballero, featuring my guest, Mr. Damon Shea. What a great time that was. I hope you guys enjoyed that half as much as I did. I think that that, that was something, uh, like I said earlier on. That was a bucket list conversation. I'm really glad to have it. I hope everybody gets something out of it. So, of course, uh, the name of this show is Cone Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you so much for listening to it. You can find all the archives at protonicreversal.com. Always free, no ads, no sponsors, no kidding. But if you like the show and want to get episodes sooner, $1 a month at patreon.com slash protonicreversal will achieve that goal. Uh, thanks to everyone for s- subscribing on YouTube. Uh, just at the time of this recording, it's just about to clear 1,000. And since I just put it the show about, what, last year, year and a half ago? Uh, that's big. That's 1,000 people. So thanks for participating in that. Subscribing on your various podcast apps. And of course, sharing the show around. That helps a lot as well. Writing a review, it seems silly and absurd, but that's how the algorithms, who we all serve, decide how to show things to people. So it's appreciated. You can follow Proton Conversal on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, all of the various social medias. It's different on almost all of them. It's Protonic Reversal Show on Facebook. Twitter is Protonic Pod. Instagram, it's Protonic.Reversal. So anyway, yeah, yeah, follow on all those things if that's your kind of deal, if it's not. That's so thank you so much for listening. A lot of great stuff coming up. So you know, feel free to dig into the archives if you're new to the show and if you've been hanging out for a long time. Uh, just stay tuned. There, there's, there's a bunch of good things coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for listening as well. And... Stay safe out there. Dark and, lonely. and take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10.
like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. if there's no one there to receive. See? 